0: Good Saturday morning to everybody. Welcome to Mortgage Matters Radio Show and the Connecticut Real Estate Edge Podcast along with Rob Weinberg. I'm Gary Byron. Good to see you there, my friend. Hey,
1: Gary. How are you this morning? Oh,
0: I'm peachy. How are you? Hey, not too bad. Not too bad. Nice shirt. Thank you, sir. Looking sharp, my man. Thank you. All right. So I'm hearing that as if interest rates weren't high enough right now. Relative. I know. Don't talk to me about the 80s. I, yeah, I, I, I understand. Um, they're feds are thinking about raising it yet, even again, even yep, higher. Yeah. ay yeah, aye. So, how was yourself? I, I thought, I thought, I thought, infl- Biden keeps saying inflation is being curbed. It is. That's so. Here's oh.
1: the crazy thing. Here's how I interpret it. So, there was a meeting a couple weeks ago in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Uh, they do it every year, and it's, you know, a big Fed meeting, right? And they talk a lot about stuff. So, our Fed chair, Jerome Powell, took a really tough stance in that meeting and said, look, inflation's coming down. It's not where we need it to be. We're going to continue hiking. In layman's terms, they're just trying to crash the economy. It's just too hot. Too many people are trying to buy homes. Too many people are doing well financially. The stock market is doing a good well. Thing? That's not a good thing. That's not what they want. That makes prices continue to go up. There's something called a wage growth uh, or wage goods in a spiral where wages go up and then goods go up and it's a spiral that's why you're seeing groceries like i was in the grocery store the other day it was like literally triple what i paid a year ago and i'm not exaggerating like triple on some of these items so it's like how does that happen like of course some of its corporate greed right but how does that happen in a capitalist society well this is how like this spiral keeps happening so the bottom line of it is fed wants inflation to be two percent All right. 2%. That's their mandate. That's what they want. Well, inflation's come down from like 9, 10% all the way down. I think the last reading I saw was something like 3.2%. That's phenomenal, right? That's down. Unfortunately, it's not where it needs to be for the Fed to stop. So they just keep, keep hammering until it gets to that. They're going to crash the economy. They've done it every time. They're going to do it again. Um, it's, it's not, it's naive to think they won't because they're going that way. When? Every single time they raise these rates, they're crashing it more and more. It's just consumers are spending on the credit cards to make ends meet. That's how we've mitigated this, right? Credit card debt just hit an all-time high. Mm. What's that from? It's from this inflation growth. It's from all of this stuff costing more, yet, yeah, your wages may have gone up, but they're not going up at the rate inflation is going up, right? So it's it's a downward spiral, and it's it's going to end when people max out their credit cards. They can't do it anymore. They unfortunately lose jobs. You know, that's what the Fed is trying to do. They're trying to create a major, major issue in the job market. They want mass layoffs. They want people's jobs to go down. They want people's incomes to go down because that's going to help, you know, combat this inflation. It's unfortunate, but this is what they want. This is their mandate. So inflation goes from 9 or 10 down to 3.2. That's not good enough for them. They're going to keep hammering away at that federal funds rate until they see it comes down now. There's reports coming out. There's things coming out that will hopefully help. What they're looking for is a major reduction, you know, in these job reports and things that come out and showing that there's a lot of stagnation and a lot of loss when it comes to the job market. That's when they're going to step back and pause. And ultimately, when they see enough carnage in the market, you'll start seeing them cut rates. I know that sounds crazy now because all they've been doing is is raising them and it's not going to happen right away. We're probably looking at, I would say if they really crash it hard, six months, we'll start seeing them cut rates. If it takes a while for everything to ripple through the economy, maybe 12 to 18 months, but you will start seeing them ratchet back that federal funds rate because they've raised it just so they can bring it down and look like heroes and it's coming. So if you can stay the course and understand this is cyclical, then you realize what they're doing. And it's the same thing they did last time and the time before and the time before. Like any economic historian can go and look at any of these Fed tightening cycles and see what's happened and what's going to happen. We've been, we've read this book before, right? We've been here before. So that's really where we're at with the Fed. And unfortunately they don't control mortgage rates or I should say fortunately, but we take cues from what the Fed does. And with all the tightening they've done, Unfortunately, the value of a mortgage-backed security, or MBS, has gone down significantly. The value of a mortgage today is much lower than it was a couple years ago because there's so much risk of people getting rid of that mortgage when the rate comes down, right? There's so much risk of someone maybe losing their job in the near future, not being able to pay that mortgage back, right? All this stuff that they're saying is coming is creating a lot of risk for investors. So these mortgages aren't worth as much, which makes it harder on our side. As a mortgage lender, as a broker, it makes it really difficult for us to you know, to be honest with you, to make a good living in the industry right now. That's why there's so many people getting out. But those of us who aren't here for the quick buck in our long term, like you. We stay the course, and I've been doing this over twenty years for a reason. Have
0: you ever seen one last this long or or gosh, you know, it's hard to wing? say.
1: I mean, the last time I saw, you know, all these cycles like we're in right now, I I, I think it was much more prolonged, meaning The rates didn't just skyrocket overnight like this. It was a little bit more methodical, right? Um, Now it was so fast and furious. No, I I believe statistically it's the quickest the rates have ever gone up. Mm, Like there's a lot of historical things that have happened in the last 12, 18 to 24 months that like they haven't happened before. We are unprecedented in a lot of this, which is why, again, investors are so scared. And they don't know, what is this? We haven't seen this before. What is the outcome of this going to be? And if the outcome is what's happened before, we're going to see a lot of carnage, specifically like in the equity markets, in the stock markets, we're going to see a lot of uh, carnage in the job markets, a lot of people losing their jobs. All right, so I'm not going
0: to hold you to you know six months, but let's just use that as as a barometer just or six months, that puts us at March. Um you're thinking rates maybe as we head into out of winter and into spring. Actually, that would coincide with houses starting to come back on the market. Historically, it's right. been March, April. That yeah,
1: I mean, if, if timing, it really just comes down to how quickly to all these reports and statistics actually hit, right? Because if there's a bunch of reports that come out showing the economy is doing horrible, inflation is really going down and people are losing their jobs left and right. I think you're going to see the Fed pause. You're going to see them step back, probably wait a couple months to make sure it's not just a one-off, it's not a fluke, and then ultimately you'll see them starting to cut rates. That's what stimulates the economy and brings us back from these recessions is, again, every single time historically, they cut the rates, it stimulates the economy, but going back to your statement, yeah, time of year when people are buying homes, what do you think is going to happen if next summer everyone's trying, let me say that again, what do you think is going to happen next summer if the rates are 4 or 5%? What's going to happen to the housing market?
0: People will start looking for homes.
1: It's going to explode. Yeah, It's going to explode. So I only say that because I've heard a lot of people, especially first-timers, say, eh, we're going to sit it out for now. We're going to wait for rates to come down. Yeah, you and everyone else. So once that happens, you're going to have way more competition. You're going to have – They're already bidding now though. Yeah, there's already a lot of competition. Imagine double (laughs) or triple what there is right now. The only saving grace I will say for those who say I'm going to wait for rates to come down is potentially you have more inventory. But if you have a little more inventory and double the amount of buyers – Same situation. You know, that's why I really try to instill in people. If financially you're able to afford a house right now at these rates, at these prices, get in now. You can redo the loan a year, two years, five years. But if you can afford it now, if the numbers make sense, now's your window of opportunity. There was a window back in November of 2022 that a lot of people missed when the rates jumped real quick. Well, we've seen that happen a little more gradual now this year. And now we're at like all time or at least yearly highs on rates to where a lot of people are stepping back. They're ready to get back in the minute they see it go down. The, the actual number I've heard is when rates hit somewhere around five to five and a half, that's going to open the floodgates. That's what sellers I think, are saying.
0: I think what people, um, are, are waiting for is not the double whammy where the interest rates high, but the asking price is also high we can take what we prefer both low that's unrealistic but we prefer one or the other to be but high. high
1: relative to what you know that's the thing and i'm talking to my home buyers and investors in connecticut out there i know other states are different but if you haven't been living under a rock, Connecticut has been one of the worst housing markets in the entire country (laughs) for decades, okay? Go look. Go look at the statistic. Now all of a sudden we have one or two awesome years and you think we're overpriced? Go look at how much that house costs in Cali. Go look at how much that house costs in Denver. Go look at how much that house costs in Dallas, okay? It's more than in Connecticut. So... You know, high compared to what what I see is normalizing. Finally, Connecticut was in a rut. I saw it for decades and it was difficult. You know, people that bought their home and 10 years later, it's worth what they paid for it. That's horrible. Or maybe it was worth 350, it went down, now it's worth 350 again after a decade. That's not good. So everyone that's saying the prices are too high, you really need to look at your history. You really need to look at your statistics because the prices in Connecticut are not high compared to other areas. They're high compared to a few years ago in Connecticut, Mm. but that's about it.
0: All right, let's talk about uh some like maybe build, building some wealth through smart home equity management.
1: That's what it's about today. You know, we're talking about home prices going up. Yeah. Perfect segue. You know, we're talking about wealth through real estate, wealth through home equity, but that does you no good because if you're not selling your home, like most people today are gonna say, I'm not selling that house, I got a three, four, five percent rate. I'm not selling it for seven or eight. So what do you do then? Do you just sit there and let this equity just be dead in your home's walls? What if you need money, right? So it's about smart home equity management. We're going to cover different ideas and strategies today. This is the right episode for those that want to know little known or seldom use strategies that they can actually access the equity while they're living there. They don't have to sell their home. We
0: just talked about rising interest rates. So then I guess let's start with how homeowners can leverage their home equity effectively without incurring high costs?
1: Right. So the key to that question is without incurring high costs. We've done a lot of shows – talking about cash-out refinancing. Oh, yeah. And I want to kind of pin that one on the wall for a second and say, today's show, we're not going to focus on cash-out refinancing because, number one, it's not as in demand right now because of the factors we're talking about with the rates. But number two is it's the highest-cost way to borrow against your home. It is. You have the most closing costs when you're doing a cash-out refi of any other types of the loans that we'll be talking about in today's episode. So it's not that it doesn't work or isn't good, but I want to focus on, again – other strategies that are not as high cost. So we're talking about HELOCs. We're talking about loans. They're the lowest cost loans out there. And I think I'm really well qualified to talk about this today versus even six months ago because... Just in the last 30 to 60 days, I've had multiple clients go through getting a home equity line or a home equity loan, and I've worked with a lot of different banks on them. I know the different products, and I've been surprised at how low the closing costs are. In some cases, there's little to no closing costs. Oh, wow. Appraisal fees, there's little to no cost for that. Sometimes they even use an uh, automated or artificial intelligence appraiser. That's awesome too. Um you know, like I said, cash out refi may be better for long term, but it's not as low cost. The one that I want to instill in everyone to stay away from when you start researching home equity and how to access it, you're going to see a lot of new companies that have come up in the last couple of years called equity sharing companies. Okay, this is a huge I can't call it a scam because it's legitimate. But the way an equity share works, and this is all that we're going to talk about it because I don't agree with them. But basically, for somebody that can't get a loan, you don't have a good credit score, you don't have a job, whatever. You can't get a loan from an institutional bank or a home equity. So you go to one of these equity share companies and they say, hey, we'll give you 50 grand up front for a share of the equity in your home. Bottom line, at the end of the day, it ends up costing the homeowner... Anywhere from like a 20 to 30% interest rate at the end of it. They don't call it interest because it's not considered interest. It's considered an equity share. But when you actually look at the numbers, you could get 50 grand and have to pay them back a hundred or People 150. Do this? People do this all the time they're because nuts. they're desperate and they don't know that there may be other viable options. So I would tell you, do not consider an equity share. And if you are, make it your
0: absolute last resort. So there's got to be some different ways homeowners can tap into their home equity, right?
1: You got it. So number one, what I'm seeing as the number one product right now to tap your home equity is going to be a home equity line of credit.
0: Well, it's also the least interest rate.
1: Um, it, it can be. I mean, it can be. So home equity loans are really good for ongoing expenses. Uh, they allow you to, it's like a credit card on your house. You can pay it. You can borrow it. You can pay it back. You can borrow it. Really, really cool product from that standpoint. Home equity loan is going to be a one-time disbursement. So like a one-time need, you need 50 grand to redo this, or you need... You know, 40 grand to pay off credit cards. So you just do a Which one Which one's better? Sum. The, li- the home
0: equity line of credit? Or or home it depends what you need it for.
1: So in a lot of cases, the home equity loan is actually a lower interest rate than the home equity line of credit. So look at all your options. And it's simply a matter of, do you need this money once or do you need this money ongoing? Yeah. If you need the money once, home equity loans a better, lower cost option. If you're going to want the money on an ongoing basis or you don't need it right away, that's where the home equity line of credit is going to be. It's more flexible when you have the line of credit but it comes with more risk because it's generally going to be an adjustable rate mortgage. And as these rates ratchet up, go talk to someone who's had a home equity loan in the last year or two. Ask them what their rate is today and their payment is today versus a year or two ago. It skyrocketed. I have one on one of my properties. It went from 2.875 at the low rate years ago. Look the other day. It's eight and a quarter percent, almost triple the uh, interest you can see. So very, very important to understand those risks. But the home equity loan mitigates that because it's generally going to be a lump sum. It's going to be a fixed rate with a fixed payment. So you can customize it a little bit more to your needs.
0: How about some factors that homeowners should consider when just even just deciding whether to use their home equity for a major expense? Let's yep, let's say a yep. renovation or or maybe even education if they want to go back to school.
1: Definitely. So we need to look at home equity as a valuable asset, meaning that you need to be careful with it. The worst uses of home equity that I've seen will help you understand the best uses. So the the worst, or I should say most frivolous uses of home equity- that I've seen have been taking a vacation around the world. Wow. I've seen that one before, taking the family on a trip and they're paying for everyone. Uh, I've definitely seen that. Another one that didn't look bad up front, but turned out to be very bad long-term was taking a large amount of equity out to start a business with no track record, obviously, to start a new business. So when you do that, what if the business doesn't perform? And I've seen that happen. You know, Maybe the first few months are okay, but something happens and it's not good. Now you've got another mortgage payment or another monthly obligation and you can't pay it back. So the higher risk and lower return the worse an investment it's gonna be. So that's what you need to look at is what is the return on investment? The greatest uses of home equity that I've seen are to rehab a property or increase the value of a home, renovations on a home. That's been great. Debt consolidation right now with credit cards hitting an all-time high, huge. Even today, I'm having people saving 800, 1,000, 1,200, even as much as $2,000 a month by consolidating their debt into a home equity loan or home equity line of credit. So don't think just because the rate's high or higher that you're not going to benefit because you're taking credit cards and high rate debt. Right now I'm seeing credit cards could be 20 to 30%. Okay. Look at that statement. When you can take a 20 or 30% debt and you can consolidate it down to. 8 9 10%. Yeah, it's not perfect, but it's a heck of a lot better and you can get a, a you know, ahead a lot more. So, concentrate on debt consolidation, renovation, education investments that boost your earning potential. That's going to help you make more money. Maybe you can get a degree that's going to increase your income. That could be a good use of the funds too. Rearranging and just reconfiguring your finances, using the equity You got to have an advisor to really show you the way. Sometimes I'll have someone come to me that says, I've got all this equity and my budget's tight, but I don't know how to use it. Can you just guide me in the right way? What can I do? And literally in a 30 minute discussion and some fact finding, we can come up with a very results oriented financial plan that could completely change their trajectory.
0: Folks, you are listening to Mortgage Matters Radio Show and the Connecticut Real Estate Edge Podcast. Very easy to reach, Rob. It's 860-413-3938 and online at robgw.com. No worries. I'll repeat all of that uh, more towards the end of the show. Rob, how can, um, how can a homeowner ensure that they're not over-leveraging their, their home equity and risking financial stability?
1: Right. So the double-edged sword of borrowing against your home equity is going to be what about down the road? What if your home value drops? What are these risks of things that could happen? So years ago, I should even say decades ago, you could borrow up to 100% of the value of your home. There's only very, very few loans that allow you to do that today, um, and they're very discouraged. Uh, The VA loan is the one I'm thinking of that allows you to borrow up to 100%. But other than that, almost all of the products we're talking about today are going to be capped anywhere between an 80 and 85% loan to value. So, what that means in layman's terms is even if you max leverage as much as you possibly can, you're still going to be left with 15 to 20% equity in your home, which by most financial uh, planning, Studies, that's more than enough equity. To sell your home is going to cost you six to eight percent of the price of the home to hire realtors, do repairs and all that. That's just the nationwide average, right? So your home value would have to drop 15 to 20 percent for you to be underwater. And that's what you need to ask yourself. How much would my home need to drop to where I couldn't sell it? Because if you owe 350 between a mortgage and a home equity line and the house is only worth 325, how are you going to sell the house? Right. You're going to have to come out of pocket significantly, and most people just won't be able to do that. I mean, almost none of the time you're trapped in the home. So I feel like the guidelines that are in place right now, that doesn't mean it's not going to change over the next 6, 12, 18 months, but the guidelines right now are pretty conservative, and they they really um, mandatory or make it mandatory to keep at least that 15 to 20% equity in, in your home. So you'd have to see a major real estate crash in order – to be in a really bad financial position. Now, how can you go a step further as a homeowner looking to tap their equity is don't just say, I want the maximum amount. Have a financial plan in play. If you can borrow a 100,000, but you only need 40, then maybe let's not borrow all 100, Right. Mm-hmm. I know right now with all the uncertainty in the market and everything going on, it's easy to say, let me just take it all. I don't know what the future is going to hold, but you got to be responsible. There is a monthly payment. This is a debt. So make sure that, again, the money you're taking out is going to have that return on investment. Make sure that if this loan's going to be in place for two, three, five years, can you keep that payment every month? Can you make that payment? And I'd love to say you're going to refinance this loan in the next couple years when the rates come down, and that'd be great, but there's no guarantee. There's no guarantee. So you want to be careful that you have the ability to repay that loan, even if you don't refinance it ever, right? A lot of these home equity loans and lines of credit generally can be like a five to 10 year timeline that we're looking at. So be careful with that. Know your exit strategy.
0: Have that ready. What are some of the, I don't know, like home equity products or loans even that are more advantageous? You know, when especially when interest right. rates are on the rise. Here, So
1: interest rates are volatile, like they've been on the rise. But, you know, we talked last show about them coming down, too. Right, so uh, how can you take advantage? Well, home equity line of credit, you're going to go up and down. So while the rates are high, it's horrible. But hey, maybe you took it out when the rates were eight. And now we see the Fed start cutting next year. and a year from now, you might be in a position where your rates five and a half or six, that sounds pretty good, right? You're only going to get that benefit with a variable rate home equity line of credit. You're not going to get that benefit from a home equity loan or a cash out refi. In order to take advantage of the lower rates in the future, you're going to have to restructure or refinance that debt, which of course has its own challenges, costs, etc. So if you're somebody that wants to gamble on the fact that rates are going have peaked and they're going down, home equity line of credit is a way to play that. It is a way to play that game okay. and potentially come out ahead if the rates go down, but you know, the other side, they can go up too. the cash out refi. You know, I still love it. I still have clients doing it every day. Because if you're really looking for a very, very long time horizon of staying in the home, and you're borrowing a large amount of money, like more than 50 to 100,000, you know, many times that cash out refi might be more advantageous when you compare apples to apples, because even at a higher rate, that cash-out refi might give you a lower payment, believe it or not, because you can stretch that loan out a lot longer, for example, on a 30-year fixed mortgage than you can on, say, a 10-year home equity, right? So that's something just to consider when you're hmm. evaluating your options. Um, Also, some people won't be able to qualify for a home equity line of credit. If they've got really, really low credit, you're going to only be able to get a cash-out refi. So then it's a case of get that cash-out refi, get your credit improved, and then- Six months, a year, couple years—we'll do that. You know, two-step that longer-term, lower-rate refi. What's your risk tolerance? What's your timeline? And how long will you stay in the home? Those are the questions to ask to figure out which
0: product. That makes sense. And we're running out of time. Maybe you could explain the concept of of home equity preservation and why it's important for long-term financial planning.
1: Equity preservation is all about not not basically using all of your equity up very quickly. So I've seen people that just, it's one shot, they'd get all their home equity out and then a year or two later, they have another financial need and they can't access the equity. So we want to balance utilizing your equity with enhancing your property value and balance that with enhancing your financial circumstances. So don't spend it recklessly. We talked about return on investment. What are you doing with the money that's going to give you a return return? And also, what are you doing with the money that could compromise future financial stability? For example, using the money to invest in the stock market, using the money to invest in maybe a high-risk business or a private business, something that doesn't give you that liquidity, you want to stay away from those with your home equity. You want the low-risk investments like paying off debt, like education, things like that that have a very understandable return and a return that you can get quickly.
0: Are there tax implications when using home equity? So this
1: is a big misconception. There are, as of right now, as I talked to you in 2023, there's no tax implications at all for taking the equity out of your home. So for a lot of people, they look at selling the home or something and see what it may you know, give them as far as a tax bill, and it makes a lot more sense maybe to borrow against the home. So, you know, this is this is how it's been for decades and I don't see it changing anytime soon. Loans are not taxable. Home equity loans, lines of credit, cash out, refi, they're all considered loans. So there's no taxable event. We hand you $50,000, for example, at closing. There's no tax bill because you're getting basically a loan of your equity and you're paying it back. No taxable event. You can verify with your CPA. Never had a client complain to me they got taxed on a loan.
0: Can you share some examples of maybe a successful home equity management strategy? that's helped clients achieve their financial yeah, goals? Yeah,
1: so I had one that actually just happened recently. They, uh, they're they in Windsor, Connecticut. They used a uh, home equity line to buy a geothermal system. It increased- their home value significantly, significantly, and their monthly expenses actually went down because they didn't have the uh, oil heating bill anymore. So they <laughs> had this home equity line, but their payment was, say, $200 a month, and their utility bill is gone. So they basically got the geothermal system for free and are paying it back with money they were paying towards a utility bill. So there's one. Another used a cash-out refi, paid off forty dollars in debt they had during a medical emergency, saved over $800 a month, and they were behind on retirement. So now they're taking that $800 And they're just whacking that 401k. And now they're going to be a little bit more comfortable when it comes to retirement. And
0: could you give someone any advice in like 15, 20 seconds?
1: Yeah, prioritize your (laughs) needs over your wants. It's really Um, easy with home equity uh, to have like this big bank account, but no, this is money that's very, very safe. This is money that you want to be very careful with. Look at what the return's going to be. Don't rush. Take your time to decide what you're going to do. Don't feel like you're being rushed along in the process and consult with professionals that can assist you with designing that long-term plan. Folks,
0: you have been listening to Mortgage Matters Radio Show and the Connecticut Real Estate Edge Podcast. If you like more information on this topic or any of the others, we've discussed on this show, simply head on over to RobGW.com. Again, RobGW.com. If you've got a question you'd like to have answered, maybe even on these very airways as soon as next weekend, shoot us an email at show at gmail.com. And if you'd like to schedule a consultation with Rob, that's easy to do as well. 860-413-3938. I'll say it one more time. I'll I'll slow it down. 860-413-3938. For Rob Weinberg, I'm Gary Byron. Thank you so much for listening to Mortgage Matters Radio Show and the Connecticut Real Estate Edge Podcast. Until next Saturday morning, have a good one, everybody. So long.